talking about save to serve. I'm going to jump right in. So, brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Um, do we have it on the screen? Yes, Galatians 5.13. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And uh, we mentioned uh, uh, the, the first thing in service is to esteem, um, and that is to esteem each other better than themselves. We talked about that from the book of Philippians. Then we talked about love, and uh, love is, uh, is uh, very difficult for us to understand because nobody loves like God does. Um, we, we're used to love being um, disingenuine and self-serving and, and fickle, for lack of a better expression. God said that he loved us with an everlasting love. That means it's not dependent upon us. Uh, you can't cause God to love you less nor to love you more it's one of the great encouragements is really um, uh, you know someone was telling me uh, recently that uh, in uh, you know in the last few years in their life they've just begun to realize how much God loves them well, it's a shame that we wait so late in life to understand that but God God truly does love you and uh, you can't make him love you more now what's what's foreign to us about that and I often think this is because if, you know, I, I, my mind, human reasoning, thinks I will get this person to love me more if I do things that are pleasing to them. And so that's how we think. That's how we're wired. Uh, we think if it's, if it's a spouse, if, I, uh, if she likes flowers, so then I'll give flowers. And by giving flowers, I'll earn her love. But that's not the way God is. And uh, I, it may not necessarily work to give your wife flowers either. I used to, my wife used to say so many times, uh, they'll be dead in a week, don't worry about it. Um, and so, man, you know, I thought, man, all these years, that's kind of got me off the hook. But every once in a while, I just feel bad not getting flowers. So I, I get flowers from time to time anyway, even though they do die in, uh, in, uh, in a week. Um, but I try to get them fresh from the, fresh from the funeral home. Um, <laughs> and um, I, I usually get there right after they've left, and there's a few si sitting around, and uh, they make the best arrangements there. You just kind of cut what you want, and um, it's faster if you take your own vase. But anyway, um, okay, all right, I'm kidding. I don't take my own vase. Um, but anyhow, so sorry. So you, you, you guys are terrible. Um, some of you believe that. Um, but we think, we think that we have to earn love. And uh, that's why when, when God says to love one another, um, in fact, God says it's the telltale sign that you're his if you have love one toward another. So the animosity and angst that we have against others, and we can have it for any number of reasons. I don't like the way he acts, or I don't like the way she speaks, or I don't like this, or I don't like this. And it's a good thing that God doesn't leverage us that way because there is nothing about me that is desirable to God except for the fact that I am his creation and he chose to love me regardless of what I do. Um, and I can't, I can't earn that and I can't lose that. God loves me. Um, but the passage that we were referencing there is John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if ye have love one to another then uh, the third thing that we mentioned is prefer be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love I don't know why it says brotherly love because I never preferred my brothers for anything but it does and I realize that's talking about in Christendom 
with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. There are those people who are gifted this way. And they genuinely, genuinely do defer to others. It goes against our nature because our nature is looking out for number one. Our nature is you deserve a break today and all the different lingo lines you want to use or have it your way. Man, I'm getting hungry just thinking about all those things. But that's how we are. So our nature is I want to make sure that I'm taken care of and everything else will fall into place. But that's not the biblical pattern. The biblical pattern is be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. And the the demonstration of that is in honor preferring one another. When you and I have wishes that we really want to hang on to, and sometimes we do that in terms of our preferences, um, and and we're really fast bound to those things, kind of the, the measuring stick, the test, if you will, of our Christianity and of our faith is... What am I willing to do to set that aside to prefer someone else? And that's really a hallmark of understanding what it means to be saved, to serve, because service to others is also found in preferring one another. Um, You see sometimes in siblings especially, you'll see one who perhaps is a little more giving than another. And one of the siblings is, man, they're all out. You know, it's kind of like the game Risk. Um, anybody ever played Risk? You know what I'm talking about? And you're, man, you're ch- you've never been to Kazakhstan, but you won it. You know, and you're just trying to uh, conquer and accumulate and acquire everything. And it's, it's man, it's a, it's a blood royal. Um, and that's, that. But, but then you have other people. You know, sometimes like playing Monopoly. My wife is very competitive, but she's also very gracious. We get to play in Monopoly sometimes. And, man, it's, uh, it's, it's going at it, and, and we're going down. But my wife, she's not that way. She's just, you know, so I, I always say, you know, can I have your hotel then? And, uh, you know, or can I, I'll sell you this if you let me have free pass every time I land on your property or whatever. And so we'll try to negotiate. Um, and I don't know, some of you probably don't think you're supposed to negotiate, but we negotiate, okay? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's real estate. That's right. It's the art of the deal. As a good friend, good friend of mine said that. But anyway, um, and so it comes. Some of you didn't even get that. That's all right. In honor, preferring one another. I hasten. The Bible says in Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, chapter four, verse thirty-two: "Be kind one to another, tender-hearted." Boy, this is I, really you. You could preach an entire series on this verse. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted. You ever get your heart that it just grows cold, callous, it's insensitive, it doesn't care, it wants to be right, it's my way or the highway? That's the opposite of tender-hearted. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And so the parallel here is God demonstrated what it meant to forgive by this. Now, he's not just saying Jesus forgave you. Okay, so we have to think about the length that he went to to forgive us. We have to think about how often he has forgiven us. We have to think about how willing he is, bless you, bless you, he is to forgive us. And see, when we, you know, sometimes, okay, you know, I can remember my mom getting uh, my brothers and me together if there was a, a, a fight going on. 
or fussing over something. And my mom, now tell your brother you're sorry. I'm sorry. And there was, it was so disingenuous. I mean, it, you know, until the next time. I tell him you're sorry. And, uh, you know, it just, just, there wasn't anything to it. But that's not a tender heart. That's a heart that is not given to forgive. And God says, well, I'll tell you the pattern that I want you to follow, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So in understanding that, if I'm esteeming someone else, if I'm preferring someone else, then I'm also kind. I, I, uh, I want to be kind, but I also realize that sometimes I'm not. I wish I were. Some of you are saying, yeah, me too, baby. <laughs> I, wish, I wish you were too. I, I, think of, I think of my wife. I think my wife is very kind. And I, we kind of balance each other. Because if you get too much kindness in the house, it's just kind of a mush. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, she's kind. And, uh, but, but in all seriousness, but she is. And I, I have learned much from her. And I know that I, I have a lot, I, I, I have a long way to go in this. But I really want to be kind. I wish you could have known my dad. My, my dad was very kind. He just always was. And it was one of the one of the hallmarks that I remember from my dad. But our, our Lord reminds us, he says, just very simply, be good to each other. You, you realize that one of the blessed things about coming to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night, any service is and it ought to, this ought to be true. Getting to hang out with you guys. I mean, that, that's really one of the highlights of church. Now, I realize we come for a lot of reasons, but it should never be that I don't want to see him. I just don't want to see her. And you know what I'm talking about. I, just, I, I don't want anything to do with him. And, and sometimes that feeling can get in there, and God says, hey, listen, I, I, I called you, I saved you to serve. And to have that heart and that attitude and that personality that says, I want to serve, man, you've got to be kind. And it's a, it's a hallmark, a trademark of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, I, I love this statement by Alexander McLaren. Kindness makes a, a person attractive. If you would win the world, melt it, do not hammer it. And sometimes that's, we, we approach it. Um, and if we see a problem, sometimes we think we're the fixer. And we think, well, I just, you know, if it's not fixed yet, get a bigger hammer. That's not always the way it works. Now, the Bible says the word of God is like a hammer that breaketh a rock in pieces. But you're not the word of God, and neither am I. And if you want to win the world, melt it. And you do that by being good to people. So it's, for, for instance, a child of God, hey, listen, everybody here knows where the word of God stands on the pro-life, pro-choice. Everybody here knows where the Word of God stands. It's not, it's not, it's not even a question. It's not, it's not even up to debate. But we should never be mean. We should never be ugly. We should never be unkind to somebody who has a position that differs and is contrary to the Word of God. Do you realize that when Paul says, such were some of you, that was you and me. It's not, it's not like our entire lives have always lined up and been parallel with the Word of God. We are nowhere near where we ought to be, and thank God we're probably not where we were nor where we could have been, but, but boy, uh, be, be kind one to another. Then uh, let me say this, the same verse, Ephesians 4.32, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. 
The word forgive is tough because we want forgiveness, but sometimes we're reluctant to share it with those who've hurt us. Uh, sometimes, you know, you've heard me say this many times, sins are always against God, and that's true, but your transgressions are against each other. And so it doesn't, dis- it's, it's wrong to dismiss a sin or a wound or hurt to someone else and think, well, I, I, I realize that many times we use Joseph's example when he said to Potiphar, uh, or Potiphar's wife, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And he realized that his sin was a breaking of God's law. But I guarantee you, Potiphar would have been wounded. There's no, in fact, he, wa- he was so wounded by the mere thought of it. It hadn't happened. In fact, she did not say it had happened. She said he attempted it, which was a lie. We understand it was fabricated. But she said, he, you brought this Hebrew in here to defile us. So she throws him under the bus, actually under the chariot. But uh, come on, stay with me. But she, so she she first throws the charge his direction and then she throws it at Joseph. But there would have been a great transgression on the part of Joseph against Potiphar and Potiphar's wife. And so you, you can't excuse yourself from sin and say, well, my sin is always against God first and foremost. Yes, it is. But you can wound and hurt people by the choices we make and the wrongs we commit. It's like somebody who says, well, you know, I. Uh, my drinking doesn't hurt anybody. Or my drugs don't hurt anybody. I, I, just me. Well, the Bible says no man dieth unto himself. No man liveth unto himself. It, you're, you're crazy to think that you are the sum and bonum of life. It's you and, and nothing else happens outside of your little circle. I mean, first of all, it's a very selfish way to live, but nothing could be further from the truth. You have an influence uh, that, that God has given you with everybody that ever comes in your, into your sphere, into your realm. But... One of the things that you and I must not struggle with as God's people is forgiving people. Because you're going to go through this life bumping up against sinners, and there's going to be wounds, there's going to be wrongs, there's going to be hurts, and don't make the mistake of hanging on to those things. Uh, you know, I, I, was, uh, I was talking to my girls uh, recently, and we were, we were reminiscing ab- about my parents. And I remember going through... Um, a tough spell with my dad and you've heard me talk about it a little bit Um, and it wasn't like for years but I remember a few months particularly when I was 16 years of age and I remember I was I was going through my little rebellious season and uh, I'm not excusing it by saying everybody does it but I had one and I remembered it very clearly but I also remember coming to my dad not long after that and my mom and dad were already in bed and I knocked on the door and and I was I was weeping but I, I was I was a junior in high school, but I remember kneeling beside my dad, my, my, my dad's side of the bed, and I told him, I said, Dad, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to ever, ever treat you that way again, and I just wanted forgiveness. I wanted my dad to know how genuinely hurt I was that I had hurt him, and I, it, it didn't matter. My dad could have taken a belt out and wore me out, and I'd been good with it. Uh, But I wanted forgiveness. I I wanted to know that that relationship was restored, even though I was the one who had done the wrong. And my dad just, you know, he immediately responded and said, oh, son, don't don't worry about that. I I forgive you for that. I've thought many times over the years 
I, I've counseled a lot of people over the years, 30 plus years of ministry, who've had that one thing or several things or seasons where they never made right. Boy, I'm so glad today that many years hence, that's not been something that was still there. And so when it comes to forgiveness, God says, forgive one another. Then uh, let me say this further, Colossians 3.13. I've got, I've got just a few moments left here. Forbearing one another, forgiving one another. Of course, there's forgiveness again. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. Now, the, the statement there, if any man have a quarrel against any, Paul writing to the church at Colossae is saying, hey, it's going to happen. We're, we're going to have problems. We're going to have issues because that's who we are. We're all sinners. But he tells us this. For before you get down here, he says, forbearing one another. You have to understand that in life, you're going to have to put up with some stuff. And sometimes people throw their hands up and say, I'm not putting up with it anymore. I'm done. I'm finished. And uh, let me say this, by the way, don't take that for granted because you can push people. You can wound people. Wounds can get so grievous and so deep that sometimes people say, hey, I'm done. But, but God does remind us to be forbearing of one another. And that really does sometimes mean you guys just got to put up with some junk. You have to put up with some things. How much are you willing to tolerate? Because relationships can always be strained. And typically, it's the, the bigger and the better Christian who says, who, who doesn't say, I'm done, I'm finished. It's the one who says, I'm willing to put up with that. You think about how much the Lord has put up with from us, from me as a sinner, from 56 years of sinning. How many times have I asked God to forgive me? And I was thinking, my wife and I were talking last night. And I, I, was, I was again asking the Lord to forgive me. Nothing major, but all sin is major. So when I, you know, I, but I was just asking the Lord, and, I, and I, it, it so hit me again. I, I, Tony and I were talking, and I said, how many times have I asked him? Only God knows. But I know it's not hundreds. I know that it is thousands of times that I have gone to God and asked him to forgive me. I, I don't know how many thousands of times. When God has reminded me about something, and our, our finite, puny brain sometimes wonders, you know, why in the world does God put up with us? Because God does put up with us. Because he is forbearing. And sometimes God will put people in our lives and you just kind of have to put up with them. And that's what it means to forbear. So for saved to serve, understand that that is forbearing. And then finally, the last one, Galatians Paul writing to the church at Galatia, chapter 6 and verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, forbearing is to put up with. Bearing is to lift up. It's two totally different things. So when you, when you hear forbearing, it means, let's say that Jim gets on my last nerve. Uh, that's too easy. Let me come up now. But let's say... So forbearing means I'm going to put up with, with Jim. Now, Jim might be saying the same thing about me. But forbearing says for the cause of Christ, for the good of our relationship, for the good of church, for the good of the community that God has brought us together, I want to put up with some things. It doesn't mean that I'm going to like everything about anybody because there's plenty about me that I don't like. Don't say amen, Satan. Okay. <laughs> but that's forbearing. Now, to bear 
is to, when I hear of something in Jim's life, instead of putting up with, now I'm lifting. So when I hear about his wife's diagnosis a year and a half ago, I'm thinking something like that. It's been longer than that. Two years. Several years. Five years ago. Ten years ago. When we first met. Whatever. Come on. You're, you're ruining my illustration. See, sometimes you just got to put up with some things. Okay. But Bering is saying he's got something that he is thinking about 24-7. You see, when, when, when I mentioned Dave's prayer request, unless you are of a, a, a mind to write it down, you, you probably won't even think about it tonight. But he will. And the last thought he'll have before he go to bed tonight, goes to bed tonight will be about what's the doctor going to say? What are the scans going to say about that bone? What are you going to say about wh- wh- what might happen? And all those things. Now, here's what it means to bear. What it means to bear is that Robert and Bruce and Gary and me and every single one of us tonight, we're going to lift him up. Sometimes you hear the expression, lift your name up in prayer. That's literally what bearing means. Now, I'm not going to pick him up. But to bear means I'm going to take Dave Garrett directly to God tonight. And so I don't want my last thoughts to be about something that is meaningless. Like Blazers lost. Like my Diet Coke was a Mr. Pibb. Well, that's probably a little more serious. But those things, we waste a lot of energy on those things. And God says, if you want to serve, then you be very good at forbearing and then bearing. Bear ye one another's burdens. And then uh, notice this. It says, and so, in other words, by doing that, you fulfill the law of Christ. How would you like to know that you were doing something that was embodied in the law of Christ? God says, that's how you do it. So when you and I know someone who's struggling, someone who's going through a difficult, I got one minute, who's going through a very, very tough time, you're lifting them up. Totally opposite of what the world does. What the world does is we rip apart. What the world does is we post on Twitter. What the world does is we we belittle and we criticize. But not what God does. God says, you want to fulfill my law? Lift him. Lift her. That's what it means to be saved to serve. In honor preferring one another, putting up with some things, bearing some things, forbearing, forgiving, being kind, preferring, loving, esteeming, and then understanding that each and every one of us are simply saved, not to get out of hell. That's a byproduct. 
That's a benefit. And it might be the only reason you trusted Christ. But God says there's more to it than that. We're saved to serve. Lord, thank you for sharing with us, Lord, from your word. And Lord, thank you for speaking to my heart. And even as we speak for a few moments, Lord, we realize areas in our life where we need your help. And Lord, I pray you'd uh, strengthen everyone that's here. I pray you'd help us to be kind, to be loving, to be forbearing, to be esteeming, to be forgiving, to be bearing one another's burdens. Lord, thank you for what you do for us. And Lord, that's so simple to say. But Lord, help us to not take it for granted. Go with us now. Give us a good remainder of our week. And those that will be traveling, we ask you favor them with safety. Give us a good Sunday as we are grateful for the opportunity we have to be in a place to worship you and to serve you. And I pray you go with us now and use these thoughts from your word in our hearts and lives to help us to be more like you. We pray and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to head over real quickly, but I would ask that if you are able to uh, stick around and, and help with setting up the auditorium, and uh, Lord willing, we'll not ask you again for a little while, but uh, thank you very much for being here tonight. God bless you. You are dismissed.